Today's show is brought to you in partnership with GiveSum. GiveSum is a platform that got on my radar last year. I've been watching with anticipation as they built out their solution. What they have built is brilliant. It's an online platform that allows companies who are already giving to seamlessly engage their employees in the experience by allowing them to choose the causes that matter most to them and choosing where the funds are donated. As my listeners know, I believe that corporate giving needs to be a table stakes when it comes to how we as leaders run our companies. And I also know that sometimes those donations and acts of support don't always connect to the people on our teams. GiveSum solves that problem by creating a bridge where you as a leader can now allow your team to select the causes and charities that matter most to them, and then, through the platform itself, receive direct feedback on the impact of those funds. Gone is the need for the once-a-year town hall or a company-wide email to share the, what causes the org supported last year. GiveSome allows your team to pick the charities and get direct feedback on the impact the dollars had. One of the best parts, GiveSum does not take a percentage of the donation. 100% of the dollars donated go directly to the charity and to the people who need it the most. GiveSum works with your company, and for a set fee, they administer the entire process. If you're already giving, which statistically speaking, you most likely are, visit GiveSum.com and find out how you can get your entire company involved in making a difference for the people who need it most. Hello and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to my two guests today. I love having two guests on the show. I've got Jasmine and Marty. How are you doing? How, how are you, you two? <laughs> doing good. I'm doing <laughs> great. Fantastic. Jasmine, you're, um, you work for, you're based in Calgary. You work for Spartan Controls, but you're in Toronto right now. We won't hold that against you, but I like to clarify. And, but Marty, where are you? Are you you're in Calgary? I'm definitely in Calgary. Moved here a number of years ago. Enjoying Calgary. 100% enjoying this beautiful sunny day. That we're at. It could be rainy when we air this, but it's beautiful and sunny right now. So we'll, we'll, we'll take it. So I mentioned a little bit quickly, we're going to talk about automation today and all the things that that might entail and all the things you might think it is, or maybe you're right, maybe you're not. That's why we decided to have the show because it was a topic. I'm like, oh yeah, automation. I know what that is. I talked to both of you for a few minutes and I realized, no, I actually don't know. And uh, that's why I, half the reason I do this show is I can encounter these concepts and ideas and go, oh, that's how it affects. That's how it impacts. So Jasmine, you are digital business development at Spartan Controls, but you're also the, the president of the local chapter for the Society of Automation. Marty, you also are based on, you work here and we can touch a little bit about kind of what you do in your quote unquote day job, but you are the president from an international perspective on this for the Society of Automation. So I'm going to start off right. We're going to jump in the elevator. Jasmine, so nice to meet you. What is the, what the heck is the Society of Automation? What are you guys all about? I guess, I guess to go back from that. So what is automation? Because Okay. We're going to start at the ground floor. Okay. Yeah. Because I think to talk about the society, you really need to understand what Mm. is automation. What is the society doing in the space of automation. And it's crazy to think that automation is prevalent in our everyday lives. We don't even realize it. So like in your car, in your home, smart home devices, online shopping, transportation, like the list goes on. And to really kind of break it down, automation is the field of study and the application of technology. That's how I kind of break it down. So the use of machines, software, um, advanced technologies to automate tasks and processes. So I guess one might say, okay, if I'm automating all these tasks, what happens to the other jobs? Is this displaced? Well, are the, are the jobs, the daily jobs, are they, are they being displaced by automation? And I guess one could say yes. Um, there are repetitive, routine, mundane tasks Yes, they are being replaced by automation, but then think about what it's creating. So you know that that uh, that quote where 
when one door closes, another door opens. So it's like, okay, these higher level tasks that, um, that require the creativity, the problem solving, the decision making skills. Um, I guess that's where automation can't, you can't use automation in that. You need human interaction for that. Right. And that kind of leads to the whole innovation and growth. So I don't know if I went on a tangent, but I think no, it no, is No, no, I think important. you set the stage. What, I, what I'm curious yeah. about, though, is this is going to be very relevant. It's going to be relevant in different ways depending on your industry, correct? Like mm-hmm. If you're in an industrial environment, out in, like we're in Alberta, so out, out, in, out in the field dealing with a processing facility versus the way the banks now automate when you put your check in the machine, and that's been automated. Like My understanding, it, it, the, the challenge with this is how broad it is and how it will be different from industry to industry. Is that, is that If I say that back, is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. So literally it's everywhere and it's everything. <laughs> well, okay. I'm glad we started. I'm glad we narrowed <laughs> I'm glad we narrowed it down. So specifically though, in your role at Spartan Controls, how would how does it automation show up in your world? Or maybe maybe not your world so much as in the digital side of marketing and what you do, but the role that Spartan Controls plays in Western Canada. Yeah. So I guess a lot of industrial organizations they focus on that ESG strategy. What is ESG? Because there's so many acronyms in the industry, but environment, social, and governance. And automation plays a key role in that viewpoint. And so you could say that, okay, what, what is automation in the sustainable space? And we, I think we have an environmental responsibility. So automation is kind of that stepping stone in shifting towards a more proactive approach towards a sustainable future. So um, okay. let's say it's kind of eliminating that danger factor and that human safety factor. And okay. so any any workers that are performing dangerous tasks, hazardous tasks, you can use automation for that. So it's kind of improving overall health and safety. And the hope is that you continue on that and it's sustainable because ideally we only have one planet. And um, we need to take care of it. And we do need to do our part in the sustainable space. And I think automation has a huge step in that. And in a situation like you're talking about, specifically around the S and the ESG and the sustainability of everything, like how do we use a resource today that doesn't, doesn't leave us without that resource down the road? I heard someone, someone define sustainability. I said, how would you define that? I said, well, we're not doing something today at the price of tomorrow. And I thought that was a fair way to say it. So is that a conversation that goes on where it's like, hey, there's got to be a better way. Can't we automate this task? Can't we take this either high risk or uh, potentially operational workflow that's actually creating a bad outcome, automated in a way that then for going forward, we don't really have to worry about that anymore because we've made it now, it's now sustainable, but we've also automated it, maybe taken out some of the monotony of a repetitive human task. And is that the conversation that you're running into at companies where they're like, hey, there's got to be a better way, dot, 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 how do we automate this? Is that how it would show up in almost like a problem solution setting? I think so. I think I think you need to think about it in like the win-win for the environment and the organization, right? Like if it's, Mm -hmm. if automating a task is producing less waste, okay, so where is that leading? Less waste, Mm. lower unwanted costs, okay, lower unwanted costs. Now I have that room for capital. I can hire margins, you know, like 
You yep. can focus yep. on other aspects. Well, like we said, it and, creates some space. It creates space. I really like yeah. that concept. Like, what yeah. do we do? Like, there's always a cost of opportunity, but there's also a benefit of like, whoa, we we took that out of the equation. We've got some runway now. We've got bandwidth. To, we've got funds. We've got people that have some free time to conquer bigger, more complex. You know, humans humans are really good at co- at complex problems. Where sometimes not the best at autom- of repetitive problem tasks. Mm-hmm. Actually, mm-hmm. Tyler, if I could jump in on that, um, you know, there are a lot of uh, processes in Alberta that. Uh, you know, really um, need to be automated because we can't stand, humans can't stand there and pull that lever every okay. time it, it it's necessary. So whether it's a water treatment plant, automating that, making sure that our water is safe and that we're using it effectively and recycling effectively. Uh, other processes, whether it's, you know, in some of those industries that are really home to Alberta, like mining and oil and gas, of course, mm-hmm. how do we make them safe so that we don't cause, you know, environmental issues? How do we make sure that the repetitiveness that is necessary happens so that they're safe? We can shut down them safely and operate them safely, but also make them more efficient. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're always driving towards that. We have international customers where we ship what we make and who who we, you know, have outside of this province. And, and we need to be very, very effective and efficient at that. So the automation systems help, you know, make this province wealthy. Um, and and bring you know more income. We have a very 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 intelligent population, very highly educated, and and they contribute to that creative innovative thinking that uh, that Jasmine mentioned earlier. I appreciate that. Would you say that just over the years, you because you mentioned a lot. There's a lot of value propositions come through. There's efficiency, that, which then you know there's safety. There's the environment. Is has has the drive for organizations to automate. As it shifted, like maybe like, hey, how do we make more money? How do we make more money? That's an easy one. That's low hanging fruit. Have you seen a drive like, and we can get into what maybe the conversations that you're having with the society around this. Are we seeing a shift with companies who are like, yeah, we need to be efficient, but we also want to see these other benefits as well. I'm always just kind of looking at the awareness at the user level of going, hey, this is the six problems I need to solve. I think automation is the answer for four of them. That list of things they're solving, has that been shifting over the last few years to bring in more of the ESG conversation, to bring in more of the safety and more of the environmental side? I would say that uh, some of these businesses have been shifting even their businesses. Okay. Um, okay. For yeah. instance, energy companies going moving from strictly oil and gas to perhaps wind power or, or other, okay. or hydrogen. We wouldn't be, we've been actually been producing hydrogen in this province for many, many years mm-hmm. for use in these industrial facilities. So we're already actually very good at it. How do we expand? How do we scale? And how do we make that larger? So, you know, it is it is more than just being efficient. It's also okay. where do we need to change that business model? Um, how do we how do we make that happen in an effective way as well? And, and automation that, really contributes. And has that amped up over the last few years as companies are feeling the pressure to potentially completely change their business models? Oft, oftentimes, or you know, we had these three core competencies for the last 20 years, but all of a sudden we need to add some more core comps because that's become table stakes or we're not competitive globally. And, you know, everyone's looking for that advantage to stay competitive and sometimes to stay in business, sometimes to survive, to not be dramatic about it. Well, Jasmine's in the digital marketing space. Digital has become <laughs> really big in the last five years. So maybe I'll let you handle that, uh, the digital side of it. Well, now you're getting into really my world. I would, I, would, I, would, I, would, I, would, I would give you, I would agree with you on that one, Marty, 100%. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's if you're in marketing, uh, it's because you never want anything to be the same two days in a row. I think that's a good way to describe marketing. Jasmine, <laughs> <laughs> how long have you been in that role with Spartan? Uh, it's going to be three years now, coming up to nice. three years. And how long have you been the president for the local chapter of the Society of Automation? 
so the succession is every five years. Um, you have okay. to go through secretary, treasurer, and keep going. Yep. So I say I've been a part of for nine years, but in this role, presidential role, one year. Yeah. Oh, nice. But you've been with, that's been part of your life for quite a while, for nine years. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Curious on that one. We'll pick up Pilger back. I don't want to lose the digital marketing thread, but who who is it? Who joins? Is it a really mixed? Like I'm trying to think of like who sits around the table at the, at the meeting, at the annual meeting? Who shows up? Yeah, I guess for the viewers that don't know even know what ISA stands for, um, yeah. well, maybe I'll explain that. So International Society of Automation, and that's nice. why it kind of fits in that auto- automation space because. The vision statement is literally creating a better world through automation. That's the vision okay. for ISA. It's a nonprofit professional association. Um, it's headquartered in North Carolina, but there are local sections throughout the world, globally. Uh, there's yeah. 150 sections, I think, and oh, wow. Calgary's okay. one of them. So who sits at the round table? Anyone. Anyone that has that eagerness, the, the drive, to be a part of that automation uh, movement, I guess. And so the local sections are a local resource for networking, um, like a networking hub to connect with like-minded professionals. So you learn about new technologies, you contribute your talents, and essentially encourage young professionals, the next generation of automation professionals. So... We have a wealth of uh, of knowledge here because our membership can you can be one year a one year member you could go up to thirty five years so the mentorship the the knowledge that the society has is is huge. How long has it been around? Like when was it founded? You mentioned thirty five years. Like has this been around forever and ever and ever? Oh gosh, nineteen. What is it, Marty? Forty five. Seventy five. Seventy seven years. You know yeah. that sort of thing. Um, I can only imagine and, how much um, that has evolved in that time. Oh. It has, it has. And so it began uh, to start creating a few standards. Um, literally, mm, okay. you know, um, how do we standardize, you know, automation safety systems and things? We, when we, pl- you know, take an electrical plug and plug it into the wall, we don't expect anything serious to happen. It's a safety mechanism. You don't expect to get blown so across the room? No, I do not expect that. That, <laughs> it wouldn't be a good thing. So we've taken that concept and moved it into automation to make sure that, you know, the industrial productions and, and everything we build and everything we do is safe. And secondly, that we can report on it, report to management, report to the operators, report to everybody that matters so they can improve on that process. And uh, so there's some 140 standards on top of the 100 and some sections that are in the around the world. Um, and all of those folks around the world contribute to those standards. They actually are consensus-based where... Everybody actually has to agree. We can't leave behind, you know. Okay, a that's a tough. That's a tough nut to crack, right there. A vendor, <laughs> yeah, or a or a consultant. Um, it is a tough nut, but it is one hundred percent consensus based. So, where was it? Where was it founded? Where did it get a start? Um, I'm going to say it was Pennsylvania, but I oh interesting. Gonna, okay, I wasn't sure if it was Europe or North America. That's no, it was it was definitely North America, yeah. and and North Carolina became its headquarters. I don't know, twenty plus years ago. And, um, but the, you know, today, uh, there are these sections around the world and, and, uh, members contribute, you know, all the time to, to the standards. They're constantly needing to be upgraded because automation of course changes and nothing stays 
you know, of course, quick technology and, and is always pushing, pushing, cement. pushing, mm-hmm. always pushing. Uh, you, so there's have, new have, areas. Have you, the two of you found grow. being involved in this for Marty, how long have you been involved? Uh, a little over 20 years. Uh, so I began like Jasmine did, a in a local section and, um, Somebody asked me to contribute on a newsletter and, and write some things. The next thing you know, you were president of the global organization. Yeah, nice. yeah. Yeah. It took a few years because you got to learn how it happens. And That's how it happens. I was eventually president of the section and then onto the executive board and then here as president. Um, nice. Humble to be there. Have you noticed pressure on the organization due to the pace of change? And I don't want to be naive to think, oh, the pace of change is fast now, but it was really slow before. There's always been innovation and change and trying to, and like, especially in the world of, of what we're talking about, people mechanic, like making things better, but there's certainly the feeling. And certainly I think a lot of people have um, a little bit of change fatigue as of late, as so much technology is coming on so fast from AI to blockchain. I can do a laundry list of, of technology terms, but that's not, there's no point to that. Do you find that as an organization, both you've been in it for a while, is it accelerating? Does it feel like there's more coming at us faster from an automation perspective? Or has it always been a fairly innovative space? I think we definitely need to adapt to the times. And okay. I think I think what we've seen, um, there's been a lot of conferences, a lot of shows. We just had a pandemic and nobody knew what was going on. And <laughs> yep. Uh, the digital space is becoming bigger and bigger. And so now these conferences and shows, how does that affect that? Are we going to get the same attendance? Um, do we need to reevaluate our tracks and our webinars? And do we need to make uh, a hybrid version where it's available online as well as in person? So just your so, own your own transformation of the, of the way the association uh, runs its business or the society, I should say. Yeah. And that's only one part. I'm sure, Marty, you probably have a couple other ideas, but that's what I've seen a big difference because um, along with the standards, I guess at a local section, we also host like technical conferences, okay. uh, tours of the facilities, uh, training programs exhibitions, social events. And so these are mostly heavily in person. And so the whole digital space is kind of new to us as a local section. Um, Yeah. I'm assuming like anything, you have new younger members that are like, hey, why can't I do this online? Like, this is inconvenient. I want that because I'm used to that. The, like every organization, there's pressure because if I got it, if I, if I experienced it in a certain way in, with one organization and I liked it, I want to get that somewhere else as we all become more and more self-directed in terms of how we want to consume information. <laughs> but Marty, from your perspective with just automation as an industry, is it is the pace of change accelerating even from a standards perspective are are you guys able to keep up with the, all the new technologies and the standards that now might not be relevant or might need to be restated to fit the fact that you know ai is showing up maybe in a way that it didn't even a year ago that is certainly true tyler there's uh first off this industry i consider anytime you can go to work and have some fun uh a good day and through all the technologies i've seen in 20 plus years it has always been a great fun day because we've always been able to add and change and adapt and and um, you know the new technologies are coming at us every day. The automation professional has to have a huge body of knowledge, mm-hmm. you know, right from literally physical devices that are measuring temperature on a wall, uh, level inside a vessel or whatever, um, through to you know the computers that you you know got to connect all these things to, to, to networks, to databases, to, um, everything, all the software in a control room that manages everything. It's mm-hmm. a lot to connect. So from a 
you know, a new person entering this field, it is a lot to, you know, uh, a big body of knowledge to be able to grasp and, and just wonder about how am I going to adapt and absorb it all. We'll all get better at some of it. We each have mentors. We ask questions. That's what this whole organization does is, is uh, mentor each other and teach each other. Back to digital, we, you know, prior to COVID probably did a lot more, you know, 70% of our programs and courses were in person and we had been migrating over, but almost like we knew COVID was coming. We flipped the switch in 2020 and moved, slammed everything over to to digital so that all of our uh, resources can be, you know, um, uh, taken in digitally, learn on your own as, as you need to. But locally, the ISA Calgary section you know, continue to put on those in-person events where we get a speaker in that's local and gets to, you know, meet, greet, and network with those kind of professionals. Coming out of, you know, our college and our university programs, uh, those students also need to connect with professionals, find those jobs. And uh, and there's not enough people in this industry, trust me. We, we suffered through COVID. The classes were small. Industry is just crying for people. There's the great resignation going on with you know, senior people who said I've had it or, you know, just they're at the end of that time in their career moving on. So today for young professionals, this is an amazing place to be. Frankly, I really, really look forward to coming to work every day. I appreciate that. Uh, I appreciate the optimism that you, that you share. How do people find, like, do they get, how do they find out about you guys? Like, I'll be honest, I'm not in the space, but when I met Jasmine, it's the first first time I heard about it, and that's not surprising because I don't live I don't live in this space, and I'm always curious. So of course I ask some questions, and next thing you know, here we are doing doing a podcast. But do if I'm going, if I'm graduating as an engineer, I'm do I get introduced to this at, at the school level? Do I find out about it? Is it a peer that tells me about it? Like, you know, I, I don't love best kept secrets. I want everyone to know everything that's gonna that's gonna be important to them. How do people get the word out there? And you know, how do you guys tell your own story that way? I guess with the students, we really connect with. Say and Nate at a local okay. section. So coming from a psychology background, like I knew nothing about automation, instrumentation, <laughs> nothing. And so I say when I first joined SAIT, that's where I really learned about it. And I wanted to connect. I wanted to network. And so nothing beats face-to-face connection. Like the whole digital, it's it's new, it's different. Um, it is another avenue, but nothing beats face-to-face. And so... That's that's how I got involved. Um, we do try to keep that uh, relationship with the local sections, uh, with the educational institutes, um, because they are the future. They are the next generation. Um, 100%. For example, we just had, well, Mark Teron. He's an instructor at ISA um, at SATE, and he hosted an ISA student games. So it's kind of like a worldwide instrumentation olympics it's student-led um it's hosted at sate and these students are doing the same program but globally they're in different parts so brazil spain india they all come together in one spot and you do the same labs as you would but everybody kind of knows okay this is this is how you do it and it's amazing that you could put you could gather so many students from across the globe and put them in one lab and they could figure it out together. And so it's very diverse. This, this program is very diverse. Um, automation, it's prevalent like globally, like we said. But I say we, we try to focus on the students, um, long-term members, because they are mentors. They do have a lot to provide for the youth. Um, we just try to stay connected, I guess. 
I appreciate that. Do if I'm a if I'm in my career and I'm five, I'm just going to become five years into my career, whatever that might be. Would I go to to I say for um, continuing education credits, or is it more just self directed learning, or does that contribute to my professional designation, whatever that might be, as terms of upskilling and constantly adding, or is it simply I'm going because I have a passion and I want to learn, and these are self directed learning courses? Just trying to understand how it fits into kind of maintaining that professional accreditation, depending on you know exactly what background you're coming from. Yeah, there there is an aspect um, that ISC provides. So there is education. There are certificates that you do get um, technical papers if you want to read that or if you want to publish your own. Uh, there is a team Oh, that cool. If somebody that. wants to get published, they can work through you too. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then I guess on a student level, there are scholarships that are offered to the students and um, local deserving students that need to pay off debt. Like, why not apply for this? Um, <laughs> students yeah. that have debt? What? Is that, is that a thing? I think yeah. that is a thing. <laughs> Curious, Marty or Jasmine, either of your perspectives. Obviously, I'm very involved through the the, the the emerging tech ecosystem in Calgary. And there's many ways to call it. But if you look at five years ago to now, there's just so many more companies that are trying to innovate and trying to you know come up with new ideas to solve you know really interesting, complex problems, not always tied to the energy sector. We've got lots of, a lot more diversity now. And it's a new burgeoning, but it's really growing. Are you seeing that same type of innovation or kind of startup mindset? And I don't even know if I'm using the right term, terminology, but is that prevalent in the automation space? Is there somebody coming in with like, we've got a new mousetrap. We have a new technology that can tie in from an IOT perspective. Like, are you guys seeing that type of movement and that, you know, technology sometimes running around or a problem running around looking for a technology to solve it? Does that buzz happen in the automation? I'm assuming yes, but I just thought I would ask in the automation space. And then selfishly, what does that look like in Calgary or Western Canada? So um, there's two things there is the entrepreneurial side um, and the innovation side, which I've been a part of uh, some of uh, over the over time have been involved in that space. Um, What I would uh, uh, want them to understand is that uh, don't recreate the wheel that some of these things on the industrial side, you know, problems have been solved and and we could advance their business and their products sooner if they're connected and trying to connect to industry their whatever their product might be. Uh, So that's one side of it. On the other side, we do have certifications. We do have you know, the things for the career uh, development that um, it's an international certification. So it's, you know, relevant only to the, you know, employers that want to use those kind of things. There are, you know, to professionally take the liability on, you have to be a professional engineer in Alberta or a professional, mm-hmm. you know, technologist. Um, and those are, are different, but they need, you know, some constant uh, continuing education and upgrades okay. and can use our courses and our material to do that. But the certifications that we have, we have a certified automation professional, um, you know, so that you can go anywhere in the world, take what you know in automation and move it around the world uh, quite easily. And there's other, you know, kinds of certifications around that. So there's continuing educational credits for that. Um, a student coming out would be in a constant state of learning because of all the material we've had. Back to your uh, previous question about how do we find out about us? Uh, we did target as a as a society. Let's grow our marketing footprint, and had a you know like a three hundred percent increase in our web traffic last year. Uh, we we targeted to grow LinkedIn activity a couple percent, and we've knocked it out of the park by you know twenty or thirty percent. So we're we're really trying to reach you know the folks that don't know about us, don't know why we exist or what we do, and bring them into the fold, help them understand whether or not we can help them in their careers. So. Massive amounts of work there. Um, here locally, 
uh, and, and actually around the world, say. So we had an Automation Professional Day, April the 28th, so where we're celebrating what automation professionals do around the world. So that was the founding day of ISA. And mm. uh, largely that's digital. Um, you know, last, you know, we, we post pictures of ourselves, uh, the team in Calgary, you know, doing special things of events, hopefully networking. Um, and also, what are we doing in our daily jobs? Just a little short video of somebody. Yeah, give you know, people a window to what it is to what's. I always yeah, joke, what sure. are you doing at ten o'clock on a Tuesday? Like, t- paint me a picture. <laughs> what a nor- what a no- quote unquote normal day actually looks like if you're an automation professional. Just yeah. to circle back, and I, I think I already know the answer, but the 140 standards you talked about, those are universally accepted and recognized on a global from a global perspective. So if I'm like, no, actually, I really say about an international are. automation professional, like you can work anywhere in the world. That's huge value to have that kind of flexibility. It is uh, uh, actually only a handful. Many of them are, are organized and just adopted here in North America. Okay. So maybe, you know, a dozen or more are internationally recognized by an organization called IEC. And okay. it's a French word, and I'm, I wouldn't uh, do that do that justice if I tried. Okay, I appreciate um, that. We'll stick just, with an acronym on me. that one. Okay. Just me. Um, anyways, it, uh, so those when those are adopted internationally, then it becomes more uh, common practice in you know all over the world in this industry. And so we do take our standards and do you know where necessary or where we can get them to be adopted internationally and, and would be used. So for instance, and I'll just pick on one, there is a cybersecurity standard. Uh, for OT, operational technologies, is what Jasmine and I work in. Um, operational meaning this is for production equipment and production yep. systems. And, you know, that requires different security than the IT world. Uh, an Outlook server goes down, and I'm just making fun of Outlook. Um, that may not have the most serious consequences, but... No, this is someone you know, hacking into my operational uh, nuclear power facility, right? That's what we're talking about here. <laughs> yeah. It could cost a ton of money if cybersecurity did it you know, happen badly. So um, that's an example of one of the main standards that is, I say, is extremely well known for. Oh, very cool. I, again, thank you for bringing that up because when I think about it, that my head wasn't going there. I wasn't putting that underneath the bucket. I've had a few guests on recently talking about, you know, cybersecurity and the, the threat of quantum computing and quantum encryption and specifically to our power grids and our nuclear facilities and so on and so forth. And it gets very doomsday very quickly when you start talking about that. It gets, you're, you're all of a sudden in a, you know, 24 uh, Jack Bauer kind of episode of like, when, <laughs> who's going to blow up what, but I wouldn't have put cybersecurity under this. So thank you for adding that kind of perspective for me as I, as I quest to, to put some, put some guardrails around this, this incredibly large topic of auto, uh, autom- automation. Um, where is it? You mentioned, Marty, and you were very clear, like, we're, we need more people. Like, this industry is starving for talent. This is, is that just people not going into the space? Is it just the, the pressure that's happening in, in so many professionally designated areas where there's just not enough new talent going in? It sounds like you guys are having that same, same challenge that I've heard from other industries. Well, it, w- it would be, you know, that the program has and needs so many resources to be able to train you know, these individuals, so I'll pick on SAIT, you know, yep. uh, does a marvelous world-class facility um, that, you know, has to put a, a class of 64 people through uh, a, a very expensive lab with millions of dollars of equipment. And and that's, not that that's not, they're not doing that. COVID necessarily had us cut those classes down. And so that couple of years mm-hmm. kind of cut the, um, you know, the, the uh, common... A group of people that were coming out on a regular basis. So all of a sudden we have a dearth of people. Meanwhile, COVID may have affected, 
some of our more senior folks who are leaving pre, no, prematurely yeah. or, or... And unfortunately, uh, you know, that is a perfect storm a that's early. impacting a lot of industries. <laughs> yeah. So all of a sudden, there's this gap. Great time to be involved. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. Marty, I love how you pivot everything back to optimism. I like that about you. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a very good character trait. <laughs> and let me tell you why that's great. I'm going to tell you right now. That's, that's that. No, and I do, I do appreciate it. It's just you extrapolate the gap. There was a period of time when less people went through the program. You now run it out to 18, 24 months, and boom, we have a gap now, which is you know, predictable, but yet still sometimes surprising when it, when it, when it, when it happens. And I guess I might be biased. <clears throat> Because I'm a say, oh no, what happened here? You can't, you can't <clears> lose your voice. No, we're right at Hold a critical on. moment. <laughs> I might be a little bit biased because I'm a say alumni, but a lot of the labs are hands-on. You can't do mm -hmm. this virtually. Um, I know during the pandemic, we had online courses for university students, mm -hmm. but the instrumentation program is hands-on. You need to be there in the labs. So mm -hmm. it's a little bit different. There's certain, time, yeah, so there's certain elements of COVID. You can do things remotely. Yeah, I uh, experienced, I don't know if you, either of you are familiar with a company in Calgary called VizWorks. I went to their Art of the Possible Day this week, and they specialize in visualization of large amounts of data and also experiential uh, training and using VR, AR, XR, that type of environment. I actually was in a virtual reality environment where they were training to do cataract surgery, and they were creating haptic pens that actually you could feel the impact because it's so hard to train optometrists, or um, not optometrists, but uh, uh, Doctors of optometry, yes, to actually what it feels like to work on a human eye because uh -huh. there's no way to simulate that. So they were actually creating a virtual environment. Not to disagree with you, it's good to be on the tools, but it blew me away. That's why I'm kind of bringing it up. And they, I saw it without the, the haptic pens, but that's the next piece so that you can actually feel feedback in your hands while you're training in school in a safe environment in a on a virtual eyeball. It was really interesting. It kind of blew me away. So I'm sorry. I don't know why I felt the need to share that story with you guys, but you know, where the art of the possible was the, was the topic of their little demonstration, which clearly that was, I was like, wow, I didn't, didn't see that coming. It was, it was it's, very real. It was very, it was very intense experience. <laughs> it's funny you bring that up because at the ISA show in Edmonton, they actually had a virtual, a VR, I guess, station and you could, it was a valve assembly. So okay, you yeah. can virtually do that. So I think that's that's great for students that, okay, instead of going to a lab and actually taking it apart and stuff, now I can virtually do it. It's a little bit glitchy, but I think it's still in the works. But We're I heading think, it, yeah. It's, it's yeah. an additive. It's an additive form of training, which I think yeah. is it ever going to replace real life. No, because sooner or later you've got to be on a job site where that valve needs to be put together or that that piece of instrumentation needs to be in your hands. But anytime that you can, you know, broaden the training experience, I think it's a, it's a value. And I joke about, you know, VR and even any type of uh, technology, sometimes we're seeing it at its worst place. It's only hopefully going to get better from here, right? Mm -hmm. Well, Tyler, you know, VR has actually been used in plants so that we can get folks who, let's say they're in Calgary, but they've got to view a site up at Coal Lake. Mm -hmm. uh, remotely, they can view and walk around the plant, um, you know, as if they're there to be able to evaluate what the problem is. And that way we save time not having to travel and keep, you know, parents and families at home. Completely, um, yeah. And absolutely. bring in more experts to solve a problem from possibly around the world. Um, so those are those are technologies that are, are you know, really being used uh, by different companies. And, and some, I remember a gentleman who spoke uh, at the, I say, Calgary Technical Meeting, uh, who talked about its use. And he had been seconded to Houston to bring it to the entire organization. Um, mm. So, you know, we're doing some some very cool things in Calgary. Uh, we've had a lot of technology and a lot of dynamic companies 
that have been, well, you know, when I say bought up, uh, some, some of the big companies have swooped in and taken some yep. of our higher tech, you know, companies because they were doing some of the really skookum things here. And uh, so we we have a big footprint around the world, frankly. I'm just impressed you worked skookum into this podcast, Marty. That was very well. It was very well done. It was very natural. You didn't even miss a beat. And for anyone who doesn't know, you can go look it up. I'm sure it's on West Coast Urban Dictionary or something to that effect. <laughs> Maybe I've got a hint of where you might have grown up now that you used that word. I didn't learn that word until I moved out uh, west. So love it. Skookum. It's a great word. Go look it up. If you're if you're listening right now, you don't know what it means. <laughs> it's positive. Well done, sir. I think this is the first time in 350 episodes anyone's worked that word into the podcast. I love it. And, you know, then you talk about attracting, you know, people to the profession and to this opportunity, some of those wow technologies have a huge drawing card. It's cool all of a sudden to think about that versus like, oh, you mean, and I don't have to live out of a suitcase. I can live with a set of goggles on and learn. And I, I don't know, I just, I love anything that makes people go, oh, oh, that's kind of it. Maybe I should go check. I should check that out. Like, you know, we're Jasmine as marketers, sometimes you just need to get people curious enough to want to take a second look. That's mm-hmm. sometimes half of what marketing actually is. Because if you don't get them that for that first th- third of a second, you never get three seconds, you never get three minutes when they actually take the time to read your website or your white paper or whatever the case, the, the case, the case may be. Marty, you touched on it earlier and we kind of moved around to a different topic because I was curious about something else. But Jasmine, in your world, you know, working as a digital marketing professional, working at a company like Spartan, who works in the the B2B industrial, complex sales, long sales cycles, very relationship-driven B2B, how have you seen automation kind of come into your life uh, with your psychology background and then now be a digital marketer using automation yourself? That's the thing. So automation, it's a dynamic growing field, right? It's rapidly growing um, there's a high demand for professionals with the automation skills across industries. So you really need to stay relevant with the times as, uh, as the other industries or as, as everybody else comes more familiar with automation and digital, you need to keep up with that. Um, otherwise, you, kinda, you, you do fall short and you don't get the same engagement. And I think I've learned a lot in this role. It's, it happened during the pandemic i transitioned into this role so it was perfect timing because totally everyone's at home in front of their computer (laughs) yeah and it's important to understand that customer journey when when you go on to like even isa members when they come onto our website what are they looking for like why isa why automation why choose it as a career path um instrumentation i've gotten a lot of questions of what instrument do you play i'm like Oh gosh, like let, let's have a chat. Like <laughs> let's let 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 me sit you down and talk to you. That's awesome. Yeah. Let yeah. Yeah. So it's it's ever growing. Um it's yeah, it's it, we need to stay relevant with the times, definitely. And uh from an organizational perspective, because you've got people that have been in it for a year, been in it through, is there a huge is there an appetite there, both at an international level, Marty to you and maybe Jasmine from your perspective? You sound very passionate about the organization. It sounds like it fits your values. So it does sound like is there sometimes organizations get stuck in the way it used to be or they don't innovate because people are very comfortable. It doesn't sound like that's what's happening because your industry has been innovating since day one. It's never stopped. It's just maybe sped, sped up. So do you find there's a there's an appetite uh, both internationally and locally to be that innovative company that's pushing and kind of almost willing to be uncomfortable all the time because you're always trying to do something new? There's always uh, an uncomfortableness. We're we're on the world stage with the kinds of businesses we're involved in, and so we're up against you know the best of the best all the time. Yeah, um, automation is an, is is probably one of the more important assets. Yes, we can put you know pipes and 
machines around, but the human, you know, ability to be able to evaluate whether we can make something run more efficiently uh, is is huge. And that means we can make changes for, you know, three, five, 15, 20, 30 years in yeah. continuing to make an, in, improvements and efficient. And we've, we've seen, you know, equipment run at 110% of what's called nameplate. It's original, original design. Yep. We've seen emissions cut in half or, or by 75%. We've seen, you know, all kinds of, meanwhile, we upped production. So we upped production, reduced emissions. Still not a, uh, you know, the, the perfect scenario. Everybody wants emissions to be completely, you know, uh, gone. But we're, we're, moving it, we're moving in a good direction is what I'm We're moving also, in a great again, direction. Again, trying to look at the, at the silver lining for sure. And we're using automation to make a tremendous amount of those changes to be the most, you know, um, I think uh, sustainable kind of oil and gas, for instance, around the world. Uh, folks should be flocking to, to what we're producing because we have the pressure on to do that every single day. And it is working, and that pressure is making it so. Jasmine, do you think we just take that, put, make that the soundbite, put that out everywhere? Because if I hear yeah. that, I want to get involved. Like, that was great. I, Marty, I see yeah. why you're in the role that you're in. That was fantastic. <laughs> I was like, somebody write down what that man said. That was, that was fabulous. <laughs> I'm always and a marketer. What... I'm always looking for good sound bites. That was, that, was, that, was fa- that was great. And clearly, Jasmine, I'm guessing, and you and I have chatted before, part of why you're in this organization involved is because you believe in that and you see that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what we're... Tri- like, I'm really passionate about the youth and the young professionals because... It really helped me. Like, I I knew nothing about automation. And, like, nine years ago, if you asked me what's instrumentation, like, would you get into this career? No. Like, I, this was You might have said, I don't know. I don't play an instrument. You might have said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, exactly. <laughs> no, psychology is my end goal. But it's, I, I wouldn't look back now. Um, That's awesome. It, it's a great career path. Like, there's a wide variety of roles. Um, the thing is, it is challenging, but there is rewarding work. So you look at this. Isn't it develop, funny how those two things go together? Like, yeah, hmm, if it's it too easy and it's not challenging, it's probably not that rewarding at the end either, right? <laughs> yeah, you like develop these innovative solutions. And at the end of the day, you're like, I did that. I had a hand in that. There's probably a team behind you, but you had a hand in that. You kind of contribute to the greater good, help improve efficiency, safety, productivity. And overall, it's like a positive impact to society. So like, how do you not get a good night's sleep from that? Right. And when you look at those breakdowns of why people really stick at their jobs or love their jobs, the recognition, the ability to have impact, like pay usually comes down the line and you're like, oh, it's because of the pay. But that's not that's not actually true there. Like, I had impact and I was recognized for it. And I feel like I'm improving and I can have more impact and I get more recognition for doing something that I'm excited about. That's a great formula. Like that was coming out of you in, in, in spades when you were talking there. Yeah, I can see why the two of you are in the role you're in in terms of promoting this, which is was the goal of my show to tell the story, but also to really promote it. And I love people that listen to the show and go, oh, man. Are all, like I never thought of that before. I didn't know. I'm going to go do some more research. I'm going to go on read these websites, and that's the goal of a podcast. It gives people a little bit more of a time to get to know something. But the goal afterwards is they're curious enough to go check it out. And so, if somebody wants to learn more, do you recommend the website? Do you recommend? Do they come? To, do you guys do meetups? Is it like come to a meeting and meet us and have a phone call? What's your What's your path? What would I do right now in this podcast if I was listening and I wanted to take the next step? How would I connect with the two of you? We're both on LinkedIn. Um, nice. You can connect with us on LinkedIn. We do have monthly meetings, so we our doors are open. If you want to come to our next meeting, definitely can. But I'm on LinkedIn. Connect with me. I let's I have a chat. Yeah, yeah, let's let's clear. definitely have a chat. Let's go face to face. Maybe have some coffee. I love face to face. So 
I'm not scary. <laughs> and automation isn't scary I think either, you too. So. Neither of you are scary. You're both very yeah. engaging. Do you guys have any events? Like you said, event every month. You just had a, a kind of like a big pinnacle event, April 28th. Do you have another kind of more bigger, larger scale event coming up in the near future? I also, I'm a marketer, so I want to promote everything that you guys are doing. So anything else you want to give a shout out or a plug for? We did have a young professional celebration uh, a couple months ago, and I think we're okay. going to continue that. Uh, oh, nice. Right now, nothing's nothing's really in the books. We do have... Um, our annual general meeting. Oh, golf tournament up. in Calgary here in Western in, in Alberta. And a golf tournament. Yeah. End of this month. Nice. Okay. All right. When, and if someone wants to uh, put it, so people put in teams, your standard golf tournament formula. <laughs> yeah. Or I say calgary.ca is, uh, is our website. Do you have anything I can use to automate my golf game? Because it's not super hot. I'd really love to automate some aspects of it because I'm just not consistent enough. I think Marty. No, need, no, need, no, Marty's like, no, Tyler. That's not you. It's hopeless. You're done. Tyler, lessons. Not, not, I, will, so, I will not. I will not ruin your golf tournament by showing up to golf. I'll, I'll make you that promise. It's not my not my not my strength. Um, Marty, what about you? Any uh, any preferred or any uh, avenues that you love for people to get a hold of you? LinkedIn guy seems to be the place to hang out for business these days. I love it. Link LinkedIn works exceptionally well the there's also the isa.org website has a okay. lot of resources it it uh you know uh, anybody can find you know all the resources plus all the local organizations wherever they are in the world if they want to attend or they move or whatever okay. uh there are 16 divisions with another you know with some industry specialties plus some very technical specialties that people can dive into their you know what they're most interested in um you know things like iiot so the iot is the uh, you know, Internet of Things. Well, yep. might connect your fridge to the internet, and and you know, have you warn you as you drive home, you should go off. You, the, you're the you're almost store. out of milk. You're out of cream. The industrial Internet yeah. of Things, you know, might also tell you, not tell you necessarily, but tell an organization that you know something pumping down the way, you know, needs some some work. Has to be safe. Has to be secure so that nobody else can fiddle with it. Um, from an organizational point of view, what we have for events is an OT. Operational Technology Cybersecurity uh, Conference in Scotland, in Aberdeen, in a castle. So, you know, a fortress <laughs> yeah, you, you, for, you your, for your data. You took it over the top with castle. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's going to be some, hopefully some um, on the uh, the old course uh, and, and some scotch involved eventually. I, I, would, um, I would be a but, shame uh, if so there we, wasn't. <laughs> yeah, we do have events. Uh, Brazil, uh, you know, also... Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. I think there's another one that's that's uh, in May. We're going to be in a conference in Barcelona. So we're all. So over. Marty, you're in this for the travel. Is that is that a fate? Am I fair to say that? <laughs> yeah. It it uh, there's a little bit of it this year, and then there's none of it. It's the, a tough uh, job, eh, Jasmine, but somebody's got to be president. <laughs> no, I we're lucky trans- as a, as a ahead, Calgary section to have I say global. Um, president. Oh, like hosted an event here. That. That's awesome. Oh yeah. Nice. And, and just a part of our local section, cause we can get some ideas from Marty. Marty's been a long time member of ISA and in the industry. So yeah. I love the, what I clearly hear is the investment, the commitment. You guys are, you're both all in, which I, I love. And the passion comes through clearly. And you've given me a lot to think about, about a subject that I was like, oh, automation. I, I, I didn't think I knew, but I didn't really know what I didn't know either. So I appreciate you guys putting it into a little bit of context and also learning about this organization. And hopefully, hopefully my audience and your audience can both listen to this and get a little more excited. And hopefully ultimately at the end of the day, get involved because this is not something you sit at home and think about. You get involved, like Jasmine, you said, you roll up your sleeves and you, you, you get on the tools and you get on the instrumentation and you figure out how you can make the world a better place and sleep, sleep well at night because of that. So <laughs> thank you both for coming on. That was a great conversation. I learned 
lot. So my, I checked my box for the day and I hope you both enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you very much. Thank Anytime. You.